Welcome in everyone. We are here today and we are recording episode number 11 of the I Am Ready podcast, where we talk to local rock stars about the importance of economic vitality in our community. And my name is Lisa Driscoll-Hawksby and I am the business development specialist here at Ready. I'm flying solo today. Mr. J is out and about in the world and so um, he has left me to my own devices. So we'll see how that goes. We are really excited today because we definitely have a local rock star, and that is someone that has a position that we can't do without in this community. There are a lot of us that um, our jobs are important but not critical, and being the superintendent of a large school district is certainly a critical piece to everything that happens in our community. So we're so excited today to welcome Dr. Brian Yearwood. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely, it is our pleasure. And so we'd like to um, start the uh, podcast with kind of your origin story. And so I know a lot of folks know that you started out as a high school instructor and a um, tennis coach. And so, um, but did you ever have aspirations at that time of becoming a superintendent or was it just kind of the natural progression along the way? No, I, I enjoy teaching. Um, um, immensely and had, had a great time as a matter of fact I, I'll never forget I'll be a lot of times the last one in the building to leave because I taught science uh, com, physical science a combination of physics and chemistry and I, I was having more fun than my scholars because <laughs> I had got to do all sorts of experiments and you know just made uh, some pretty uh, fascinating I call it uh, things happen with scientific equipment and chemicals and so on and I, I loved it, and, and so I did not have my sights on going anywhere whatsoever. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, so talk to us then about how did that happen? So you're doing a great job, having a great time in the class with your scholars, mm -hmm. doing some coaching on the side, and all of a sudden, what happens? Yes. So um, one day I received a call from a superintendent at the time. His name was Mike Moses. Dr. Moses um, eventually became the Commissioner of Education for Texas and actually took over Dallas ISD at one point as the superintendent. And he called me to his office, just out of the blue, and we had a conversation um, just about you know philosophy of education, sort of you know where I, I think I would be. And then at the end of it, he says, um, I would like for you to take over as an assistant principal at one of our middle schools. And um, of course, I was uh, surprised because I was not expecting that. And you know, I, I, I said, sure, I'd be glad to step up to the challenge. Um, and off I went. So I went to the middle school, started working there for several years, spent some time um, working there. And then about four or five years later, um, um, I received a visit from another superintendent at the time Dr. Moses had left and superintendent uh, called me into the principal's office and then started talking to me about being a principal said it was time and uh, from there I you know um, said yes I would do it um, asked which one would I rather be and I said elementary because I was in secondary and I wanted a new challenge and off I went and I had my first experience as a principal of an elementary school and you know I, I would have to say one of the most rewarding times of my entire career I mean the uh, accomplishments that we were able to um, reach um, in the academic realm we were about um, very high population of poverty um, and it was located again in the low socioeconomic uh, part of the city 
but we became a force to reckon with on the academic world and we were um, performing at the 90th percentile in reading and math and science um, and, and it was just fascinating to see how my teachers stepped up how my scholars stepped up and most importantly how my parents stepped up mm -hmm. and how they threw themselves behind the school and the dedication to the educational process that's awesome Thank I mean, you. I just, I just love it. And then I, I have, you know, when you start talking about middle school, a lot of people like stand back, right? Because that is the, in, in a lot of folks' mind, the least desirable. And um, a little known fact about me, I'm two semesters away from having my middle school social sciences teaching certification because I did some long-term subbing oh. at home, okay. and um, I actually fell in love with those kiddos. They're uh, it's a it's a really critical time in life and they are just going in all the directions and they need all the love and guidance they can so I love that your first administrative um, assignment was with those kids who probably needed you the most yes and and I have to say Lisa you know if you if you like a new challenge we have a spot for <laughs> you you know we we would more than welcome you into our CPS family I'm, I'm definitely to you and you're right middle school is a very challenging, you know, they want to be adults, but again, they don't have the maturity to be adults and they look like they, they're young adults. Um, so yes, it's a very challenging time for them. Yeah, indeed, indeed. One of the things I would like to learn about is, um, one of the things that's been very noticeable since you have come aboard is um, your designation as scholars rather than students. So I would love to learn a little bit about why you find that term so important and mm -hmm. why we need to be adopting that. And I've noticed a lot mm -hmm. of folks adopting that throughout the community. Yes, um, it's what we see in the individual that walks into our doors every day um, to be educated and to learn. And if we have the mindset of this young man or young woman has the potential to achieve and we, we start treating them like that and we start talking to them like that, then my hope, my dream is that they too will feel that we want them and we expect them and we are gonna push them to achieve greater and greater things regardless of their ability because we all have different abilities, we have different strengths, but it's up to us to bring that out as a teacher, as an educator, and when I say scholar, I truly mean that. It's, I know that each student, each individual, each young man, each young woman has that potential. It's up to us to bring it out and bring that scholarly work out of them. So I, I call them that. scholars. I love that. That is really great and super um, important. You know, we definitely, the, when the expectation is high that we are capable, then we achieve great things. And so I think the idea that being, um, having that expectation of every student and where they are um, and the opportunity that they have to be successful adults is really important and that shouldn't look the same for everyone it would be really boring and and we wouldn't have nearly the robust community that we did that we do so I think that that's a really a really great way to look at the students and the scholars and to show them that we care enough about them and we see their potential yes. because unfortunately they don't all get told that on a regular basis. No, no, not at all. And, and it's, it's so unfortunate um, that even at home sometimes they don't hear that. Um, I've seen uh, a scholar that's struggling in math or has an IEP or special, uh, special education scholar. Um, you put a violin in their hands and they're like a, a concert violinist. 
So again, different ability, different potential. We just have to keep, uh, make sure that we're pulling out the, the gifts that they have within um, in that fashion. And and like it, you, you never know where that potential will lie. It's, it's almost like the old saying, strike a match in a room and you never know where that light travels to. Mm -hmm. We have to do that with our scholars. We have to ignite them and one day, hopefully, they will continue to thrive and achieve great things. I love it. So tell mm -hmm. you have the pleasure of being able to kind of see the district from a very um, big picture view. And so we talk a lot about the individual scholars and their journey to success. Mm -hmm. Could you tell me about some instances where you've seen in classrooms or on Foot, um, sports fields or wherever where you're seeing the critical work that our uh, staff and our teaching teachers are doing to like help ignite that absolutely um, what I look at um, in our boardroom every month we recognize scholars for great work especially at the state level and this past um, board meeting we recognize many scholars for their work at the career center not only are they um, winning accolades at the national level through our career um, tr center training, they are being recognized. For example, the head of the uh, Future Business uh, uh, Leaders Group did a, a phenomenal job with um, taking, again, our team to nationals and our FFA group. For the first, well, I can't say that for the first time, um, the president of our state FFA organization, Future Farmers of America, mm -hmm will be a, a scholar from Columbia, and this is voted on by his peers from across the state. That's just one small uh, uh, snippet of the accomplishments and the accolades that we see happening. And then I, the numerous um, state awards through our wrestling, through our, our, our um, girls wrestling program and things like that. Um, and then of course, we, as we continue through on, this, on the um, academic front, we see things happening in um, or like things like or spelling bee or national merit semifinalists and so on. So there's a lot to celebrate in Colombia. We have accomplished a lot and there are a lot of innovation that goes into our schools with teaching and learning every day. Um, and, and that actually is, is what drew me to Colombia is because of that level of innovation that and dedication towards scholars that I, that I saw as I examined the schools and looked at various aspects of it. Absolutely. And innovation is something that when we look at through the lens of economic development is clearly something that also makes Columbia very strong is the um, from very small micro businesses that maybe are solopreneurs all the way up to uh, very large corporations like Prince P uh, Italian Meats, Swift Foods, um, places like that being innovative is what has kept them successful here and what creates a really wonderful community. And so we're gonna turn the lens a little bit to economic development. And you were featured in Como Magazine in 2021. And one of the things that you said was, I want to build a strong community relationship in which the Columbia community um, scholars have the opportunity to contribute to a strong workforce. Yes. And so a lot of times folks don't understand um, their contribution to economic development from an individual level. And so when we talk about workforce development, um, we often don't necessarily link the elementary school teacher, right, through uh, workforce development, but it, it, there is a very strong link there. And so talk to us a little bit about yeah. your interest in the big picture of economic development and how you see a school system 
um, supporting that. Yes. So it, it first starts with education for all. And by saying that, um, making sure that our scholars, even at the elementary level, going all the way up middle school and high school, making sure that they understand the possibilities that are out there. Many times they're very, very short-sighted, you know, and don't understand unless mom and dad either have experience or have actually uh, graduated and so on um, from a college or junior college or, vo or vocational tech um, environment. And what we must do, not what we need to do, but what we must do is actually provide um, opportunities to expose our scholars starting at a younger age of the many possibilities that exist in our environment. Um, just this morning, I was at a, a function recognizing partners in education, and one of the gentlemen there um, was with the US, United, uh, US United States Geological Survey Group, mm -hmm. and his offices are right, um, I call it by the airport, sort of down from New Haven Elementary School, and they do a lot of critical work to make sure that uh, the contaminants and making sure that all oh, groundwater is safe to drink and, and so on. And just we, we, um, after speaking with them this morning, it would be great to have our scholars tour the facility mm. and see the possibilities of getting into this work to provide um, checks and balances for us to have a safer community. Um, Again, another opportunity is through what, what we call the Show Me Careers that started with the Chamber um, through Mr. Matt McCormick and his, his, his team. Our teachers now have an opportunity to go out and spend time in businesses around the, our Columbia community, take that information back at, and intertwine or weave it into their teachings and be able to talk to scholars about the possibilities of jobs in our community. So, you know, as our community, as strong as our community is, our schools will grow from that and be strong. So again, strong community translates to strong schools. Strong schools uh, complements a strong community. So again, it's a, what you call that symbiotic relationship that we want to see continued throughout. And um, as we speak, we're meeting with uh, the city, well, we've had several meetings with uh, Mr. Seward, the city manager, mm -hmm. and his team with job points and so on. And we are continuously looking for innovative ways for our scholars to be able to do apprenticeships, to be able to do internships in various businesses around. So again, they know that there is, there's um, what you call meaning for their educational purpose, which translates then into jobs and into economic development for them, into of course, economic development for our community as well. So it it all works together. It really does. And we, um, if folks don't know this, Dr. Yearwood um, serves in an ex officio capacity on our board of directors. And um, we have a large education component that does serve in that capacity because um, at Ready, we really understand the general ecosystem to economic vitality means you know, we can do our part to try to attract and retain quality jobs where folks have good benefits, the opportunity for home ownership. Um, we also know that when they come to our community, they have children, they want to make sure that they're going to a quality school and um, that they have activities for their children in the community and such. And so I think it's really um, wonderful. It was, a, uh, it was a really big eye opener when I started to see just the, the true collaboration that goes on between um, the schools and 
um, ready the schools and the chamber and the schools in the schools. It's really great. Um, talk to us a little bit about the program um, that you all do with MACC, the Early College Program. Oh, that, that has been phenomenal. Um, what we are able to do, our high schoolers can begin taking uh, college courses and they receive credit for that college course as well as high school credit. So it's called the Early College High School Program. So they can take a course and receive dual credit for that. And of course, that's paid for by the school district. So again, um, if a scholar, if some scholars have even been able to um, receive an associate's degree when they graduate um, at the 12th grade mark, cost savings of over $60,000 in tuition and fees. And we have watched those numbers grow, and we want those numbers to continue to grow um, because, again, um, we see the benefit of our scholars um, who have the ability performing at that higher level. Um, you know, Dr. Lashley and um, Dr. Steeperman, my predecessors, are the ones that started this program, and I want to give them um, accolades, a very innovative start. And my dream is to continue to grow the program. As a matter of fact, um, we're looking at... Uh, we brought in a company called EOS and we're examining how many of our scholars have the ability to take these types of courses, advanced cl classes or dual credit classes, who are not enrolling in them because I guess they're afraid of the rigor or no one has actually spoken to them about taking these classes at this higher level. And we're, we're finding quite a few, so we should see our numbers increasing in that capacity. Of course, as we have a stronger uh, and more well-educated uh, body within our community, that also adds to the quality of our community as well, and that's what we hope to see overall. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that we talk a lot about um, in this podcast with our guests is the importance of community involvement. So you see some young professionals in the community, maybe just starting out their first job after um, college or their first job after their vocational training and um, what do you what advice do you give them about why it is important to give and to be involved beyond just their work and their family yes because their the work environment yes provides a certain level of economic uh, stability for them but there's another component to ensuring that our community as a whole is able to come together and we're able to work with each other we're able to enjoy the benefits of our work um, I go back to my involvement in ready for example was 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 very eye-opening because I as a superintendent yes I'm in the educational sector but now I'm a part of ready I'm an ex officio on the board I get to learn and see and hear about all the businesses that are here in our community, the supports that Ready provides. And actually, I've um, spoken to several individuals who have upcoming businesses, and I'm telling them, hey, you need to get to Ready as fast as you can. They have all sorts of resources for you. So again, working together, I think this uplifts our entire community, um, and it's a tremendous benefit to every to all in our community when that happens. That's awesome. So you spoke a little bit about what brought you to Columbia because um, you did not, probably would not have chosen the timeline, right? Um, coming right to the community and it feels like you've been here for a decade because of um, 
you know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. we you came on board and then we experienced um, COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but prior to that, before now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But when you were looking at the looking glass and you were thinking about your next steps, what was it that you thought, I think that it would be fantastic to move um, and start a new career and bring my family to Columbia, Missouri? Well, you know, Columbia is a college town. And I'm from originally started off in Lubbock, Texas. Texas Tech University is a college town. So I saw tremendous um, similarities there between the program here in Columbia and the, the one back in Texas. Um, and as I looked at the, also the, this, the general um, community and so on, very, very appealing. Our community loves our school district, mm -hmm. is very supportive of our school district. I mean, we look at the bonds and the tax levies that uh, will pass to support our scholars. And overwhelmingly, this past time, our bond passed with over 75% approval rating. So to me, those are the attractive ingredients to our community, to Columbia, and that drew me here. And of course, as I look at our scholars and as overall, we were doing okay. We, we're not doing excellent yet. I, I hope to help to um, get to that uh, level. But we were doing okay. And again, I saw great potential that match my skill sets as far as being able to grow our academic environment. That drew me to Columbia. Well, we are mm -hmm. so glad that it did. Thank you. So um, clearly being the superintendent of a school district such as Columbia um, CPS leaves very little free time. However, I would like to know in those little, little tiny bits of free time that you do have, what are some of the things that you enjoy? Who is yeah. Brian Yearwood as a person? Because you're a person first, although we all know you as the superintendent, Dr. Yearwood. What, is, what are some things you as a person really love to do? Well, actually, I, I, I love looking at um, football, any sporting event, mm -hmm. track and field. So I sort of uh, lose myself there. But recently, uh, my grandson, um, Braxton, five years old, he joined us. He uh, wanted to come live with Grandpa and Grandma for a while, and that has now taken all of my free time away. <laughs> so uh, being a full-time grandparent, I know um, I cherish that. I love it. I love my grandson, and, you know, we spend more time with him. You know, at that age, at five years old, they're so inquisitive, and they want to know everything about everything, and they, I call it, it's not a dull moment. So... Again, all of my energies are now with my grandson, so I, I look forward to that. That is wonderful, wonderful. Um, so what we like to do when we kind of come to the close of the podcast is we just turn it over to the guest and say, are there any thoughts that, is there anything we didn't cover today or something that's burning in your mind that you wanted to share? So um, we just kind of turn the floor over to you. Yes, sure, thank you. Well, at this, this time, um, we have graduation. Um, this marks the end of a journey for um, close to 2000, well, about 1,500 or, or so of our scholars. And we just want our community to know that open up your doors and hearts and minds because these young men and women are going to need guidance. They'll need opportunities. They'll need, um, you know, individuals to be able to reach out to them. And also, I would love to see us strengthen our mentoring programs within our schools. There's so many professionals that are retired from various industries, from, you know, even from education out there, who we would love to 
come into our schools and they serve as a mentor for these young scholars that need someone to give them continued hope and to perhaps allow them to see through a different lens the possibilities of life and the successes that are ahead. If we can, uh, uh, if our community can help us support with those with that mentoring, um, we would be even further along or further ahead and even and be, be I personally would be very, very grateful for the, that opportunity to see that flourish within our schools. Fantastic. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, as someone who um, is a self-described late bloomer um, and who, who went to a wonderful, very small school where um, having a mentor that could have opened up some possibilities would have been very um, great for not just me, but for my classmates. And so I think um, anytime you have the opportunity to share some wisdom and just provide some support, that is incumbent upon you to do so, especially whenever you have had some experiences that would help someone else. And so, um, Dr. Yearwood, it really is always a pleasure. I cannot tell you how um, much you inspire me with your continuous positive attitude, your forward thinking, um, your ability to weather things that we would not have ever you know, thought possible like COVID and to continue to say, okay, we're not going to get stuck here. We're going to look to the next thing and we're going to move forward and we're going to do that in a positive way. We're going to do that together and we're going to be accountable. And so I just want to thank you for being a really great leader in our community and someone that I personally look up to whenever I'm having one of those days where I just think, oh, it'd be just nice to sit at my desk and just keep my head down and let the day go by. And I can hear you saying, but that's not, you know, what we need to be doing. We should always be pursuing excellence. So yes. thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, folks, we will uh, see you next week. Um, and the next podcast guest that we have is um, Dawn Daly. And so we will have her up after um, Dr. Yearwood's episode. And so we are so excited that you all are tuning in. And so please share this with others and have a great day.